All right, people, welcome to another episode of The Rock Show. This is episode 54. 54, wow. Yeah. Wow. So we cover um, Prince, Run DMC. Black History um, Month, yeah, we were doing that. The whole Black History Month. We also we got one more show coming with a bunch of uh, black musicians. Um, Pure Death, Hell and De- Death. Death and uh, Pure Hell. Yeah, yeah we're going to be talking about that tomorrow. The documentary you sent was pretty good. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, that was good stuff. Oh. Lumpy, lumpy. Thank oh. you. Scott. Two-fisted, motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> let's, That's let's, getting lumped let's up. Let's have a little, little salute right here to start the day. Oh, yeah. You salute got your shot man. of tequila. I got my... My pen. Oh. Damn it. All right. All right. Let me get my pen. You get your pen, Rob. Today's episode of The Rock Show is about Link Ray. Now, Link Ray was, if you don't know who he is, I'm sorry. You got to look this guy up. But he was fascinating. He, he, he invented the fucking power chord. That's it. Anybody yeah. who plays music today owes something to this guy. Um, what'd you think when you started looking some of this I up? I know, like, uh, he influenced, like, fucking, um, Piggy, he influenced, um... Well, the whole punk scene. He influenced, um, a lot of their, uh, Hendrix. Yeah. Um, Clapton, uh, Jimmy Page said that he was a big Jimmy influence. Page. Yeah, I mean, the guy was like, holy shit, he just took a guitar, he made it sound like... That well... It was different. It, 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 it was, different. it was different, and... He it was a couple of reasons for that. We'll get into it. I mean, it was the equipment he was using. Yeah. And uh, really, just he was allowed to pretty much do what he wanted. Yeah. When he when he played, but but he really wasn't much of a singer, right? Mostly his he brother did, he sang. Did, his right? brother sang more. Most of his songs were instrumental. Yeah. He did have some songs where he sang. But you know, he had that one lung missing. Yeah. So that was that was a problem <laughs> That's for him. Incredible. But he was still able to have a great career. You know, yeah. fifty years the guy played. He was born dude, he's also also I was surprised that he's also like Native American. And back in the censor Shawnee, days, Shawnee, when you did that the yeah. US censor, you either put you were white or black. So yeah. they considered a lot of Native American white, which was Yeah, like, they would put shit. themselves down as white so they yeah. wouldn't be discriminated yeah. against or whatever. Sometimes they would put themselves as black too, yeah. for reasons. But yeah, I mean, he was a Shawnee Indian out of North yeah. Carolina. Uh, it's 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 a great American story. Yeah, it really is. He also explained those first three songs. It was uh, it was uh, it was uh, the title. It was uh, it's what is it? Shawnee. He's a Shawnee. Apache. Indian. Apache. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he would. Yeah, some of the songs had Indian names. Yeah, like Apache. Apache. Know? Yeah. And it's wrong. And you know what's funny? When you started listening, you're like, oh, my God. Like, you know this. I know this. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. So I mean, my, the, cramp, the cramps made a career out of using some of Link Ray's Oh, yeah. You know, the, the riff. Yeah, the riff. Oh, I was yeah. like, yeah. yeah. I'm going to start playing a guitar and play just like him. Yeah, you could do it. Power man. chords, man. That's what he did. But the difference between I will honky-tonk somebody with my guitar <laughs> smash right over the fucking right head. Right over the head? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Scott right. the Clown is All right. So, we're talking about Link Ray. Now, he was born, born Fred Lincoln Ray Jr. in May 2nd, 1929. Uh, that was in Dunn, North Carolina. Now, his parents were Fred Lincoln Ray Sr. Yep. And Lillian Ray. Both were Native American, like we just said. They were Shawnee Indians. Uh, he had two brothers, Vernon and Doug. And both were a little bit younger than him, and they would be involved... They were with, with Bob, his right? young, No, Link was the oldest, but, yeah, but but they were younger than like a couple of years, and they would be in his band. Yeah, you know, um, he did a, a, a stint in the Korean War, 
And during that time, uh, he caught tuberculosis. How fucking crazy is that? Yeah, man, going to Korea and get, to to, get, get tuberculosis. <laughs> well, he, I don't know if he got drafted or he enlisted, but but he, but during that time, you could you could go. You could have got worse. You could have got some dick disease. That would yeah, that would have been good. <laughs> Coronavirus Buk- of the dick. Buku, buku. <laughs> He's too buku. <laughs> Alabama black snake. <laughs> oh anyway, my God. So he did a little stint in the Korean War. During that time, he caught tuberculosis, and they had to remove a lung. And so now he was short a lung. He was starting his music career, and they told him, uh, listen, you know, you're going to have to cut back on your vocals. He used to sing a little bit and play at the same time. So he concentrated more on the guitar after that and he would let his brother sing yep. now um, uh, early bands he had was called like Link Ray and the Palomino Ranch Hands okay mostly he was playing country music yes All right? he was, he was very, country very, very influenced by uh, Hank Williams and people like that in the early 50s you know in those days you really didn't have much of a choice you, you would play country music or you would play shit like Perry Como and he wasn't going to do that yeah. so you know he, he gravitated towards country but he was experimental and he was getting into other different things with the guitar especially since his voice was now limited but the Palomino Ranch Hands would relocate from North Carolina up to Washington D.C. in 1955 uh, let me tell you what the lineup was it was Link on guitar and some vocals he had his brother Doug on drums. He had uh, his brother Vernon on lead vocals. And then a guy named Shorty Horton on bass. Shorty would have his own career a little bit at that time as yeah. well. Um, there was a local label named K Records that released some of his early singles. Um, there was also a Texas label called Star Day Records. In those days, you had labels all over the place. Yeah. So that's why you would have regional hits. Yeah. You know, you could... Uh, a label in Texas might like you. You might be based out of North Carolina. Yeah, but and, uh, you could have a hit in Texas because of that label. Yeah, that's how things you work. Look at the record category, especially that um, the one of the one song which uh, I think is Rumble uh, category thirty seven, uh, thirteen forty seven. You see that? Yeah. Analyze everything in numbers. Yeah. yeah. And if you look at all his songs, like some was he is here, they would say album that for some reason had different. When it was released, they had different uh, people that that, that, that that did the album. They, they, they would call, like, in one city, in one label, he might call it Link and the Rain Men. Yeah, And then, and then be Link and the Moon Men. But there was also a bunch the... of record labels where you look yeah. at him, like, he wasn't, like, one record no. label. It was a bunch. Was like, there was a bunch, the and it was mostly singles at that time. Yeah, it was time. singles. Mostly a lot singles. of singles. It wasn't albums. Now, um... Uh, at one point uh, in 1958, they were just simply called the Raymen. Yeah. And uh, and then they were down to a trio at that point, and it was mostly just instrumentals yeah. they were doing. Now, Brother Vernon would legally change his name name to Ray Vernon, and he became their producer manager of the band, basically. So now you're down to Link on guitar, Doug on drums, and Shorty on bass. So it was like a three piece. It was a three piece, a yeah. trio. Yeah. Now, Link was using, at that point, a 1953 Les Paul guitar. He was wearing leather jackets. He would wear sunglasses. And, you know, it was an image. And he was a guy who had a full head of black hair, swept back. Yeah. You know, he was a good-looking guy, and he looked like a fucking hood. Yeah. I mean, basically, that was the, the look that he chose. And, you know, it, it created a, a fearful 
kind of thing. People people were actually afraid of him, you know, which I guess maybe because he was an Indian too. Yeah. I don't know. But he literally took like the men in black thing and made his own men in black. Think about well, that. Yeah, I mean he definitely he was influenced by Johnny Cash yeah. and Elvis. Yeah, Elvis. Okay, of course. And uh, Link, in 1953, like I said, he was using that guitar and that look. But he would play a lot of what was called dance hops in those days. And one night, somebody asked him to play a type of music called a stroll. And it was something that you could dance to. That was a a specific kind of sound. He didn't know how to do it. (laughs) So he kind of invented it. Invented something like right there just to make everybody happy. And that was the song Rumble. That by Link Ray. Now That's everybody right. knows this song. You've heard yeah. it in movies. Uh, Pulp Fiction had oh, it exclusively yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Um, look up Rumble by Link Ray if you're not sure of it. Uh, it was a very primitive song. It really is. It's his signature song. Yeah. Okay. He would start a lot of live live shows with that song, and um, it, it's just primitive guitar strumming with power chords, yeah. bar chords. It's really all it is. And, uh, it but was, it was such a different sound. Like, totally that, different. Like, totally you different. didn't have anything like that. The, the only guy that was kind of like him was a guy named Dwayne Eddy. Yeah. Okay? And Dwayne Eddy, his guitar was more of a twangy kind of guitar. Yeah. You might know some of his instrumentals, too, if you heard it. But uh, this was like... Bong, bong, bong. You know, like it was nothing sounded like that. Bang. And you heard, you know what's funny? You heard that in a lot of movies, yes. the mystery for the years. And you don't know what it is, you know? know? Yeah. And I love it that he redid actually the Batman. Hey, Batman, hey, Robin. Yeah. It was yep. fantastic. He would, yeah, he would do a lot of a lot of experimental, instrumental stuff over the years. Now, nobody when, knows but the shadow knows. I was right. yep. wow. There was a label called Cadence Records, and in 1958, they, they actually put Rumble out as a single. It got to number 16 on the charts. Yeah. Did very well. But it was actually banned in Boston and New York City. You know why? Because the gang, they were yeah, worried they, about they, gangs. They said it promoted teenage gang violence. I was amazed by that. How did that promote teenage gang Because he was just wearing, you know, he was wearing a leather jacket and everything, you know. Um... Link Ray and his Ray Men was now the official name of the band. And Cadence, you know, when they had this hit, they wanted to keep him on the label, but they basically said, listen, you got to change your image a little bit. And uh, they sent them down to work in Nashville, and he was going to be working with the Everly Brothers production team. But basically... They cut Cadence loose. They said, fuck that. We're not doing that. We're not changing our image. And they signed with Epic Records. Yep. Um, the next single was called Rawhide. It's not the, the Rawhide yeah, yeah. theme song that you know. It's know, a little different. That was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what he started using at that point is he got away from the uh, from the Les Paul. And he started using a Dan Electro. Okay. He was using a Dan Electro Longhorn super long neck guitar. And that made the power chords sound way more menacing than the Les Paul did. So he got to number 23 with uh, that song. And basically he was, like I said, he was every black leather jacket, jacket, hot rod, fucking, you know, fan. Hooligan. Hooligan was into the band. But okay. that, you know, but think about that. Your song got bad because it was sight fucking rights. What the fuck happened with that song, NWA? <laughs> oh, 
this 30 years before that. The, the, they were much menacing. Do not say fuck the police. Do not say fuck the police. Yeah, no, it, it, you know, it, it, it's funny because it really, I mean, it was an instrumental song, so there was no lyrics. Yeah. It, what was, was, it was your imagination that yeah, was making that, you be worried about it. That's the thing it, they yeah. even made it once. It was yeah. instrumental. Yeah. What can you do? But um, he would kind of, uh, he would get with Epic, um, he knew that he needed to stay on this label a bit, yeah. but he, they, they kind of wanted him to make him sound a little safer, like Dwayne Eddy, for yeah. instance, was a little safer. But he would relent a bit and give in a little bit, and he would record some songs that were like not really what he was into, like some Irish traditional songs like Danny yeah. Boy. Okay, and he would have a full orchestra with him. Yeah. But uh, it wouldn't last, and it didn't sell no. at all, okay? So Link ended up leaving Epic, and he started his own label with his brother, uh, Vernon, called Rumble Records. Rumble Records, yep. And Rumble Records would release a song right away called Jack the Ripper. Great fucking song. Great fucking Jack song, and uh, it, it's considered a, a, an influence, actually, on heavy metal music. Yeah. Because it's just such a... a Powerful yeah, chord, you know, powerful. banging on that guitar. I, I love that song, the yeah. Jack the Ripper song. Yeah. You want to hear something? Will you call him the Godfather of instrumental rock? You think? Yeah, if you wanted to use that title, why I not? I mean, who else? Yeah. Who else can you think of that came with that sound? Well, look, he was a precursor to surf music in yeah. some ways. Surf music being instrumental, but. Uh, I don't know. I think Link is in a category of his own. You know, if you, if you look at the guys in the 50s who were who yeah. guitar players, I think the four most important guys are Bo Diddley, um, Chuck Berry, Dwayne Eddy, and Link Ray. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, those four, and specifically Bo and Link, I would say are probably, the, out of those four, the two most important. Yeah. You know? You know what's funny? Out of the 100 greatest guitarists of all time yeah. in Rolling Stone magazine, guess what place he came in out of the 100? What? 45. And that's that's being modest. But this is like I the, would, top, I would put the 100 higher. greatest guitarists of all time. I'd I, I like to see who the hell's in front of him. <laughs> the other 44. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure you could probably knock about 15 out of that. You and know what I mean? You should be a little thing. higher. He also been nominated for the Hall of Fame, for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2013, 2017. It hasn't made He's it yet. He's been snubbed. Snubbed. Okay. I'm, I'm, in, um, I'm in a Link Ray fan club group, group page on Facebook and I've talked with his daughter on Facebook a couple of times she's very nice and, that's and, good and, to do you know you always wear like podcast and this yeah. go into your well, fan I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this podcast on the group yeah. page okay because I, I, I hadn't intended to do that um, you know what would happen is when he signed up with Rumble he put out Jack the Ripper and it's interesting did you know how he recorded this how in a hotel staircase <laughs> okay he, from what I understand he you know, he put the guitar, he was standing on one end of the staircase, and he had the amp facing him from another, recording it from a distance, yeah. and it had such a, a great echoing sound that that's how you get that sound. Wow. And, and it was just to get those riffs at the right sound that he wanted. Um, there was a label in Philadelphia called Swan Records that he would get involved with now. Uh, they would release Jack the Ripper nationally for him. Yeah. Okay, because Rumble didn't have the capacity to do that. Uh, it did very well, and Link would be on Swan for about the next 10 years. Yeah, that was another... That, dude, they had so many... Like, when you look at Labels. the category, there were so many there, but I'm like... 
what the fuck is this, man? Like, oh, what the, another big boy. They were like, <laughs> did they have that many labels and shit that they could? Oh, they, in, they those, in those crazy. days, there was hundreds and hundreds of record labels. I mean, they were small. They yeah. were regional. You know, if you, you know, he was in Washington D.C. He couldn't release something nationally. So he'd hook up with a Philly label that, yeah, that could do that. that. Could do it. Oh. You know, and then they could spread out the music. Let me ask you a question. While I was listening to him, I never realized he um, that uh, Robert Gordon sang a few songs with him and we saw him live in the last yeah. summer, right? Was it last summer? Yeah. Uh, right, that was back in July over at the Coney Island Baby and Club. He sounded great. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, did you ever see the videos of Robert Gordon and Link Ray playing together? I saw fantastic. They do that version of Fire? Yeah, fantastic. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. you know who wrote that fucking song? Who? The biggest douchebag in the world. Um, Bob? No. Who? Bruce Springsteen. And everybody who's recorded that song did it better than him. Is that why, is that why when they did the tribute to Link and Bruce Springsteen and somebody, ugh. Yeah. Well, Spring, well, Springsteen liked Link Ray. I, I give him that. Yeah. Yeah. At least he got taste in music. At least he's got good taste. Oh, <laughs> you know what? That's true. It's true. Too bad it just doesn't incorporate into what he does. Yeah. Right, but that's a whole other podcast. Do <laughs> <laughs> one. I hate Bruce Springsteen. We we should. And why? We should. Now, um, he like I said, he would be on Swan for about ten years, and uh, but the good thing about being on Swan is they let him. Pretty much experiment and do what he wanted to do. I read that. They, 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 they left had, him alone. They, they left him alone. They, that was, that's that's something today would never happen. Okay? Yeah. But back then they did. And he would t- turn his family chicken coop into a three-track studio. <laughs> okay? And he'd be out in the backyard just recording jamming. music. Just jamming. Okay? Now, uh, he was with them for a long, you know, 10 years. And yeah, that's a long time. They would release singles and EPs under uh, some different names. Sometimes they were using, like, Link Ray and the Moon Men. Yeah, they had uh, a bunch Link of Ray names. and the Fender Benders. Yeah, why uh, did he have so many different names? But it was, was all the- more or less a lot of the same people, you know, in the band. He's still playing with his brothers. Yeah. Okay? He might have a different guy here and there. Um, they Bernie, definitely had different singers every so often, right? They only had singers. I mean, what they did, they never had, like... Because they did, like, two albums with Robert Gordon. Then I well, Robert Gordon someone. would be singing, yeah. yeah that them, was late I in the I saw them do it yeah. somebody else. There was, there was, like, two, three other people that yeah. heard the sing song. I thought these guys were only instrumental, but they had a few people that sang. They just sang with them, you know? Which yeah. was, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, people liked playing with him, yeah. you know? Um, the guy named Bernie Binnick, who owned Swan, uh, he was the president of the label. He was once asked how his label would put out, how, how they could put out such wild material. And his quote was uh, about Link Gray, like, what can you do with an animal like that? Yeah. You know, and it's true. Uh, 1971, he would come out with a uh, gospel country rockabilly album called Mordecai Jones okay and this was the beginning of two records that were called the Chicken Shack albums yeah alright now this was I don't believe this was on Swan anymore Uh, this was an actual full length album he was putting out it wasn't singles Um, he would release that and then in 1973 he released an album called Beans and Fatback okay and that was also recorded in his chicken coop alright awesome now, I, have, I don't have Mordecai Jones. I've heard it, but I do have a, a nice vinyl copy of uh, Beans and Fatback. You, really great oh, yeah. album. You know what I did? I just heard, I just went into, because um, I, I, I um, 
I got Apple Music, and yeah. they got a catalog. Where you the nine ninety nine? If you pay ninety nine ninety nine for the whole year, the category they have a music, and I put him up. Yeah. And, Dude, there was fucking hundreds of fucking hundreds albums. Of stuff. Hundreds. I couldn't believe how much shit well, was in there. I, I was think like, Norton, Norton, Norton Records, I believe, yeah. has put out a ton of shit and just compilation on top of compilation. Yeah. Uh, you really, you really can't, uh, you can't keep up with it all. I, I couldn't believe how many singles. I mean, he had like a bunch of singles, yeah. and then he had a bunch very of unique, albums. Very unique kind of recording. But it, it was like, dude, how much? How many? How much did he, did he record like every day or something? Because that's, that's how much it's, shit he had. He must have. Because it was crazy. If you look at the amount and over the years, if you add it up, he must have been recording stuff weekly. Yeah, easily. Let me ask you an interesting question. You yeah. think he had a big influence on Lemmy? Absolutely, because you can see like that. No, without without a doubt, he did. Because no. they, they hit let, let me, let me and, like, Well, remember, remember, let me, let me from Motorhead, uh, and we did a great show on that yeah. last year. Uh, let me from Motorhead was originally a guitar player. Yes. Okay, and he was absolutely influenced by Link Ray. I think. And then 100%. when he went, oh, absolutely, with no doubt. But when he, but when he would change over to bass. Remember, he played the, the bass just like a guitar. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. So, it, so you know, you had that yeah. you had that switchover. You know. Yeah. Now in the seventies, for all of us who can remember then, okay, there was a nice rockabilly revival, fifties revival, yeah. Greece yes. and all that stuff. Okay. He now, was that, definitely a rockabilly yeah. too. Now w- one band that, without a doubt, and I mentioned it before, was influenced by them was the Cramps. Oh yeah. All right, one of my all-time favorite bands. You could check back a few episodes. We did a two-parter on them. Um, they would actually take like uh, some songs that use the, the main riffs and just put lyrics over them. They would just link Ray songs. Yeah. Okay, and then they would put words to the instrumentals. Yeah. You know, which I think is you know, it's not even. Maybe with other people you would say fuck them they're ripping off Link Ray but it worked no, with the Cramps. It did work. Nah, they know? put good lyrics yeah. on. They did a bunch of stuff. But um, one of the guys that really took to Link Ray during this rockabilly revival in the 70s was Robert Gordon like we yeah. were just saying. Fucking fantastic. Yeah. Now he recorded two albums with Link Ray one called Robert Gordon with Link Ray Yeah. and the second one called Fresh Fish Special. Yeah. Okay. And uh if the, you know, look, all I can tell you is, if you like rock and roll, you got to have those two records. Yeah, you Gordon have to have those such two a records. Great voice, great rockabilly voice, a total appreciation. The two of them worked very well together. Um, and you know what's funny is when they parted ways, as far as I know, it was amicably or whatever. They actually took half of Robert Gordon's band with them. <laughs> and got an Anton Fig and another yeah. dude. You know, um, but they changed a lot. The band was so it was always it was either him, his brother, or they had other musicians. The band went through changes through the years. Yeah, yeah. Now through the seventies, he was a live act. He was somebody that you had to see. Uh, a good concert on YouTube to see is a show in '74 at Winterlands in San Francisco. I saw that the show. black and white. It's on YouTube. Yes, it's on YouTube. You can see that. It's like yes. 60 minutes. Yeah, I think. it's a whole I saw show. The whole thing. That was you think of that? It was great. I mean, what do you think when he came out? I mean, and, and, and he's you know he's got the big lamb chop. Oh yeah, sideburns. The fucking sunglasses, the hair, and you're like, that is one badass motherfucker right there. Yeah, he looked like fucking. He looked like somebody would kick your ass. He looked like Elvis with steroids. El- Elvis, <laughs> but like steroids. a punk rock Elvis yeah, before punk rock. That's what I mean. Elvis yeah. on steroids. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I love the guy. 
You know, I got to see him. And he was a big fucking guy, too. You know, you know where I saw him? Yeah, where? Your bar. Bar none. Bar none? When it was Space at Chase. Holy shit. I forgot to tell you that. Wow. Yep. Early 90s. I got to see him one time. Uh, he was doing, I, I forget if it was one or two nights. It might have been two nights at Space at Chase. Ask Bob about it. Wow. He probably was there. You know, um, and blown the fuck away. I mean, I saw, I mean, I, I'm always proud of this. I saw Gigi Allen and Link Ray in the same place. Yeah, Gigi Allen played there too. <laughs> now, in the 80s, uh, 1980 to be, um, to be exact, uh, uh, Link would move to Denmark, uh, specifically Copenhagen. And he was, you know, I, 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 in my research, I, I kind of wondered why, okay? And it just seemed like, in Europe, he was really, really popular. Yeah, and he would pl- he would do Europe. I mean, they, they appreciate that kind of music yeah. more than, than we do here. Yeah, and uh, I guess he probably wanted to relocate there to be closer to Playmore. You know, it made sense. He also but, had like three marriages, right? He was married. He was married I think he had three times. Like eight kids, man. Yeah, like and the guy lived a good life. He did. He did. Now, he, even though he moved to Copenhagen, he would still play the States often. Uh, in, 19, in the 1990s, his whole back catalog would get some attention because some of the grunge bands were commenting and saying they were influenced by him. Kurt Cobain, okay, said it. Yeah, everybody. You know, um, and it kind of rejuvenated him again and, and, and got him back in the studio. Uh, by that point, he was probably, uh, you know, pushing 70. Um, he would uh, sign up with a, a label called Ace Records. In 1997, he released a, an album called Shadow Man. And in 2000, he released uh, an album called Barbed Wire. Yep. Uh, both very good. I mean, I don't dislike anything this guy's ever put out. Nah, he was good. He nah. was really good. You know, I mean, anybody that picks up a guitar, plays rock and roll, owes something to this guy. Yeah. Hands down. Because, um, you know what, the guy definitely influenced your different fucking sound. Like, a, that power chord sound, that thing. And, you know, he was just like... He was definitely, um, you know, he was like beyond what, what yeah. he was at yeah. that time. Like, definitely. he was way ahead of his time. Yeah. And th- that riff, that... Dun, they like, holy shit, what can you say about that? Nah. To, I, today, we still got people trying to do it, that. That, 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 song, that, act, that song actually makes my hair stand up sometimes yeah. when I listen to it. it. It's just like, there's nothing that sounds like that before or since, really. I mean, it's such a powerful sound. Uh... And, and you know I, I'm, I'm, my roots are in the punk scene so like I hear those elements of Link Ray in everybody wow okay um, let's take a little commercial break right here and talk about our friends at Vidgo Vidgo yes okay. sir uh, Vidgo is a brand new app out there that you can get on your uh, Google and what? Yeah, streaming service actually. I, streaming, I, stream, to, uh, to streaming get TV, service. TV, yes, TV you can get t- you can get stream television. And what's great about it is you can actually comment and have watch parties, and while you're watching stuff. Yeah, you know it's a it's, great it's a great thing. It's a great app, but you know what's the great thing? They got pretty much almost every sports channel. They got ESPN. They got Fox. So anything you want to watch, you it's over like, eighty you do, different channels. Yeah, you if you want to watch Fox Sports, like let's say. You, your friends out. You got a friend that's an angel, angel fan. The Yankees are playing the Angels. Yeah. 
You can go back and forth shitting on each other in a watch party or just like... And you don't have to be there. Or you can even start a group party. It's watch the Yankee and you can invite people to watch the game. Yeah. They're great for the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and people did watch it on the Super Bowl. Yeah, a lot of people watch it. You know, um... I've been getting like little little advertisements from them to like join certain watch parties and yeah. stuff like that. It's kind of cool. Um, we're hoping to get something going with them. Yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully. I like uh, to do a um, always signing Philadelphia watch party. Just me and yeah. you coming. Like, this is shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great. We'll do like a Mystery Science Theater three thousand yeah. type thing. <laughs> That'll be fun. That'll be fun. We should we should have done that. Like we should just do it to um, Metropolis. Yeah, just talk. Me, it's me, too long. But we, we do I a mean, shorter I mean, one. Right of Frankenstein. Right of Frankenstein. <laughs> we should on that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. That'd be oh, fucking man. great. Oh, oh my god, right of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we could do Mad Love. Mad Love. Yeah. Garatia. I love you. I love you. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Peter Laurie. He was so fucking creepy, man. I love that movie. Even to today, I looked at that movie. Yep. And I'm creeped out. So, you um did a little uh, something. You got a little record review yeah. you got to do right now. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I got reacquainted with an old acquaintance of mine. Uh, New York City guitar god, Joey Pinta. Okay. Uh, Joey had an amazing He's still playing I shouldn't say had uh, He has an amazing career um, He played in the 70s A lot at Max's Kansas City uh, With a band called The Knots And then he would play with the Waldos Into the early 90s Record that one classic album of theirs Called Rent Party um, He went on to some other things And he's still playing And thanks to the power of social media and a few acquaintances. I got reacquainted with Joe. We've been talking a little bit. And he was, uh, uh, he's a great guy. He's living out in Chicago right now. He's got a studio. He's making his own music. And uh, he sent me some stuff. And I really was kind of blown away. Uh, I, knew, I knew it would be good. Because he's always, I used to, let me tell you. When I used to see him in the Waldos, they would play the Continental over on 3rd Avenue. Sad, uh, sadly, yeah. the fucking building just got knocked down. Yeah, I mean, it, there. you know, gentrifications, everything, fucking everything up over here. But uh, the Continental was a spot that I always hung out in in the late '80s and early '90s. And in the early '90s, Joey had joined up with Walter Lore uh, and an old buddy of his named Tony Coiro, and played in the Waldos. And uh, I used to sit in front of him at that little club and watch him fucking shred. Wow. All right. And this guy could play. I mean, it really, it really was like watching a, an amazing guitar player in a small club. Wow. It really, I mean, really. But um, I want to talk a little bit about The Knots, okay? K-N-O-T-S. All right. The Knots. And uh, he sent me this in the mail. And I had only heard, to be honest with you, one song from these guys. Yeah. Okay, but they they never recorded the full album. Uh, they had a lot of problems in the band, but they were big at Max's. And I want to read, if you don't mind, um, a little bit of the liner notes that came with this. Now, Peter Crowley used to run Max's Kansas City. Okay, yeah. and he wrote some really cool liner notes right here. I'm going to read this. Okay, it says. Back in the 1970s, Max's Kansas City introduced many fine bands. Some of the best never got famous. 
Fuse, also known as Knott's, was one of the finest. Let's start at the beginning. Joey Pinta was looking to start a band, put a band together in the mid-70s when he met the loudest drummer he'd ever heard in his life, and his name was Nicky Fuse. They re recruited vocalist Tommy Bell and began rehearsing with the parade of now-forgotten bass players and began gigging at various dives in and around Manhattan. Soon, they scored gigs at CBGB's and Max's and began to attract a following that included Eric Dufori, a former Island Records executive who asked them to record for his new label, Ideal Records. Unfortunately, band infighting had reduced the knots to just Joey and Tommy, and so they entered Neil Steingart's Fly Studios in Brooklyn with replacement drummer Jerry Ryan and Penta doing the double duty of guitar and bass wow. in the studio. Now there, they recorded a few songs. The two that made it to the single that we have here, and plus Rock and Roll, New York, and Blinded by the Darkness and Glad to be Alive. They also covered the Stones' Live With Me. When the finished record hit the streets in 1980, the Knots became a hot commodity. I put the single on Max's jukebox, and Bleaker Bob's sold out multiple copies. Wow. It was back in the day when yeah, you could do that. Day, you know? multiple copies. Wow. Yeah. And on Manhattan's downtown club circuit, the Knots shared bills with now legendary outfits like the Heartbreakers, Johnny Thunders, right? Yep. Okay, Tough Darts, that was Robert Gordon, uh, Planets, The Fast, The Cramps, and as well as headlining their own shows at Max's with Nick Fuse back in the drum seat and Big Tony Coiro on bass guitar, the Knots were on their way to fame and fortune. Knots also toured the nation with Johnny Thunders, but then in 81, Max's Kansas City died. CBGB's kind of went new wave, and Johnny Thunders took off for Europe. The Knots broke up. Joey and Tony joined the Waldos. Fuse went to play in different groups, and Tommy disappeared altogether. Wow. All right? Now, however, the Knots recordings have had a life of their own. They were covered by underground bands all over the world and used in film soundtracks and on punk compilations. Okay, so basically... This is a, a very seminal band, The Knots, and what I'm going to show you here is this is the single, uh, a song called, uh, the side one is a song called Heartbreaker, and on the back is a song called Action and Glad to Be Alive. Now, honestly, uh, Action was the only song I ever knew by them, oh, yeah. right? So these other two tracks are just fantastic. Working class rock, you know, punk rock from, from 79, I mean, it's just... Amazing shit. Joey's a, uh, an amazing guitar player. And uh, one thing, too, you got to know is this actually came out on uh, Rave Up Records, okay? Now, Rave Up is a very cool label from Italy. They actually released some of my buddy Rick Rivet's stuff last year. And, uh, you know, Rick had told me that they were a great label to work with. Well, you're getting kissed on the show. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that don't happen to me. All right. Uh, but Rave Up is a cool label. Go to raveuprecords.com. Check out the knots. Buy this. Uh, Joey need Joey could definitely use the money, yeah. as anybody could. Um, one other thing he gave me, too. Uh, oh, before I even talk about this, okay? Yeah, and another record. This there. is the other record here by the Waldos. All right, Joey... That's this cat right here, Joey Penta, right here, all right? And Tony Coro, big guy right here, he was in the knots. 
But the Waldos put out this single in 91, Crazy Little Baby and Cry Baby. Cry Baby. Great shit. Uh, you probably can't find this anyway. Uh, I think it's out of print. But if you could find the Waldos Rent Party album, get that. Right? Good album? Fantastic. It's a cult right. classic. Cult classic. So what's this that you have This here? is This is a, a brand new. Now, now, Joey has had some ups and downs since he left the Waldos. Um, he basically... I think ended up in L.A. for a little while, did some recording there, and now he's in Chicago. And in 2015, he came out with this self-titled album here. Looks like it's cool. Looks like he's yeah. shooting a gun, right? Yeah, it's okay. an awesome cover. Yeah, great cover. And uh, 17 tracks, people. This is a fucking double album. All right? I couldn't believe how many tracks were on this. Can see this one? Yeah, sure. Swap Boogie sounds interesting. Yeah. My, my song on there, I'll show you. My song nice. is the first track called Be Like You. Be like All right? You. This is just a snotty ass song. Uh, punk rock, all the way, attitude. You're talking a combination of uh, the guitar work on here is a combination of uh, Richards, Johnny Thunders, who, you know, Joey was absolutely influenced by Johnny Thunders. Uh, one other person that John uh, that Joey is 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 uh, influenced by is T Rex, Mark Bolin. Yeah, and we're going to be doing a show on them soon. Yeah, because they're going to the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Fame. Yeah, we're going to be doing a show on them soon. Uh, you can hear Mark Bolin through some of this. I, yeah. I, I hear it. Um, it. This is a great album. Pick this up. I believe it's available on Amazon. Joey Pinta. If not, you can definitely Google it and find it. Um, he's and also been giving me some new songs that he's working oh, yeah? on. He's releasing some things on SoundCloud. Uh, he had a song called Convert. Uh, he's, he's Basically, he's not going to be pressing any CDs on, on new stuff. He's just making it all download. Yeah, because you could probably buy that album yeah. on Amazon. And when you buy it on Amazon, you also get the digital value. Digital version of it. you got the um, Amazon Prime Music. Yeah. So you get that too. So it's not just one thing. Right, because a lot of things. times when I buy when I buy stuff, it'll show that it's available on uh, it's available on yeah. you know, the cloud. Yeah. You know, that's cool. Yeah, so that's the way with music is now. Me, I mostly I'm a, I, I love I love my um, Apple. I, I swear by Apple uh, Music. Yeah, everything everything it's there. Any category, anything. They have an amazing for. amazing catalog. You wouldn't think it, but they yeah, do. But I, I and I go Apple. You send me you send me something yeah. and boom boom boom. Yeah. And I look it up and right there's the album and that's it, man. Yeah, definitely. You can watch it and do whatever the hell you want. You can listen to all the songs. You can listen to album. Yep. Like when I was looking up Doctor John, even um. He, they had so much shit on Dr. John. Well, he had a lot of music. And they also give you a brief history of the band. They got a good uh, thing. They give you a brief history. Yeah. And they give you the lyrics if you're looking for lyrics, too. Lyrics so it's fantastic. Great. Good to have to, lyrics. Too. For, uh, also, like the WWF Network is also $9.99 a month. <laughs> on Apple. On Apple. Nice, maybe. nice. Which I, I, I recommend it to anybody. So that's all I got for you today, Mr. Rossi. So um, what's the next show we're doing? We got another big show. With, okay. Um, um, tomorrow, uh, we have a guest. Uh, you'll see who she is tomorrow. She's an amazing guest. Uh, we're doing a show on the band called Death and the band called Pure Hell. Pure Hell. Both black, punk rock, proto-punk bands. We're going to get to the bottom on what was the first black punk band. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. It all should right. be good. 
Sounds good. Yeah. And uh, Mike, how can they reach out to you? If you want to find me, I am on RockerMike212 on Instagram, RockerMike3 on Twitter, and you can find me under my real name, Michael Baker, on Facebook. I do a lot on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, me, you can find me anything getting lumped up. You look lumped up, you can find me on any social media. Um, the show's also on Spotify, Pandora, yep. iTunes, Snitchers, um, Podcasts, um, Pro, it's Pandora, Pandora uh, everywhere, yeah, where, yeah. everywhere that you want. Anchor. That you want to. And the next thing is that we also are looking now, we're actually taking things for sponsor, to sponsor the show. Yep. So we can, um, we can, we got, we get enough viewers that we can actually sell your stuff yep. and start getting people to give us some promo calls mm-hmm. and hopefully get this uh, machine working and running. Yeah, I so mean, look, want- 20, 2020 is going to be our year, people. All right, uh, we're getting there, and and it's all thanks to you. I'm totally grateful. Uh, one thing I want to mention is going to be a little change in format starting next week. We're not going to be going Facebook Live anymore. Uh, we're going to be looking at YouTube Live, yeah, right? YouTube. YouTube Live. It's not even YouTube Live. We're just going to load. We're going to tape. We're going to tape the show, right? But we're going to load it up on YouTube on right YouTube, away, and you're going to be able to watch. It's yeah. not right away. Like when we do it, it'll take a few days. Yeah. But I'll probably I'll probably load the video before I put up the podcast. Yeah. So. We, you know, and if you you know if you're worried about that, don't be. Just go to our YouTube channel, getting lumped up. Yeah. See this guy's face there when you when you get onto it, and just sign up, okay? It'll go right in your inbox, basically. Yeah. You know when you have it. Yeah. Actually, if you subscribe, we're yeah. definitely the subscriber. We did the eight more subscriber. I can take the the um, URL, and it'll be lumped up forever, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um. So remember, the next show is uh, pure hell and death. That'll be tomorrow. First, uh, punk rock, rock and roll kind of band. Because I saw a little bit of the documentary in Fantastic. On death? On um, death. It's a great story. And the, guy, the guy was like, we're Fantastic. black guys that want to play rock and roll. What yeah. the fuck's wrong? And they're and, like, and, no! And, and, and the neighborhood freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> the neighborhood, the music industry freaked the fuck yep, out. Yep, yep, All right, people. Remember, don't get, get drunk, drunk, get, get lumped, lumped up. up. See you soon.